Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do in our days, but all too often it gets drowned out by the noise around us. But what if the noise in our earbuds could help us tune out the noise of the world and instead tune in to our most important conversation? That's why we're here, to bring you inspiring conversations, practical how-tos, and guided prayers to help you pray like you never thought possible. I'm Valerie Warner, and this is Prayer in a Noisy World. Today, I'm super excited to be talking with Amy Gannett today, and we are going to talk about how theology relates to our prayer life. So Amy, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. Yes. Will you tell our audience a little bit about you? I think a lot of them um, know you from Tiny Theologians, but tell us tell us everything about you. Well, I feel like sometimes when I do these bios, like people are going to think that I'm totally spastic because I wear a lot of hats in life. Like I feel like I do a lot of different things, um, but I love our kind of chaotic, you know, seemingly um, busy life. So my husband and I, first and foremost, are church planters here in Eastern North Carolina. That's both of our full-time day jobs. Um, we are planting Trinity Greenville and we have been at it here in Greenville, North Carolina for about three years. Um, and we are parents to two sweet little girls. So we navigate the Um, busyness of being work from home parents to a two and a half year old Emerson and right now a six month old Elliot. Mm. Um, And we love being parents who get to spend most of our days with our girls and planting this sweet community here. But in the online world, I manage Tiny Theologians, which is a line of discipleship resources for kids ages two to 12. So we do a lot of um, concise theology for kids over Mm -hmm. at Tiny Theologians theologians. And um, then I also teach theology and Bible courses for adults at the Bible study schoolhouse. So the Bible study schoolhouse is a great place for people who want to grow in their Bible study skills to learn um, how to study the Bible. We can study the Bible together. You can study the Bible um, individually. There's a great community in the schoolhouse that um, loves getting nerdy with the word, but also seeing how God's word affects our everyday lives. So those are the primary hats that I wear. And I really am humbled and grateful every time I get to, to kind of roll through the list. It reminds me yeah. of how God has just called me to some of my very favorite things. And that is a gift. Yes. Well, and I'm just going to jump in here and say, you also have a book, Fix Your Eyes, which I'm going to quote from a little bit later, if, if you don't mention this <laughs> whenever you answer questions. But uh, yes, I, it, it, this was one of the reasons I know I wanted to talk to you about this is just because it's not just about studying theology. It's about how does this affect yeah. our worship, our prayer life? It, it, it should affect everything. So I'm excited to dive into that. But first, I'd love to just hear what does your pr- prayer routine look like right now? Yeah, well, I'm in a season where, I don't know, some people are probably listening and they're like, my six-month-old slept through the night. You know, no problem. But we have a six-month-old that is not sleeping through the night. Mm -hmm. So when I wake up in the morning, I actually feel like I need more help praying. I have an hour Mm -hmm. set aside every morning to spend time in the Word and to pray, but I've just needed more help as of late. So right now, I am working off of a prayer list. So this is something that I don't do all the time, but right now I have a list that I pray through every day. And then I have a list that I pray through each day of the week. So I start my day with my daily list, which is um, for things like the way the Lord's developing my own character, for pressing needs that our family is trusting the Lord for, um, for my husband and for my marriage and for my children. And then I have like a Monday list, a Tuesday list, a Wednesday list. Um, for things that I just want to spend more time focusing on. So like on my Monday list, I pray for a lot of people who may have just visited with our church plant um, the day before. Mm-hmm. So I pray for newcomers and I pray for those who don't know the Lord in our city. And then on Wednesday, I'm praying for something different. So um, I pray through on Wednesdays, I pray through the tiny theologians employees and how God is working in their lives um, and those sorts of things. So I pray through these lists right now because when I wake up in the morning, I feel tired. Um, I need help focusing and it's easier than sitting there and thinking, 
now what do I want to pray about? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a help to me to have those lists in place. So it only took me a few minutes to write them out and they keep growing, but um, it has served me really well in this season. Yes. Okay. Well, so most of our audience will be familiar with that idea just because our journals offer that focus. Yeah. But what I want to hear about is what do you do? What do you, in in different seasons, when you're not using the list, how do you stay focused? Or wh- what is it that, um, I, I, like, I'm, I guess I want to figure, not figure out, but like, what kind of mindset do you have where it's easier to focus without that? Because I probably, you know, I feel like I pray all the time and, and it can be consistent, but that list does help me. So yeah, what, just help us get excited about that idea. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things that we struggle with most in our daily lives is focus. We live in a time in which our focus is one of our highest prized priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a commodity in a way. That's what Facebook is paying for. That's what TikTok ads are paying for is our attention. And so I think just knowing what a value my attention is, um, gives me some motivation to use that one hour. Well, um, I think that that can be really encouraging to us to know that by giving the Lord, our prayerful attention, he's not more prone to, um, answer our prayers the way we want to give us a favorable Mm -hmm. result. That's not what we're doing. We're not manipulating God into doing what we please. Um, by giving him our attention, but by giving God our attention, this really prized commodity in our life. And by knowing that that's what we're doing when we pray, we're actually in the posture and process of submitting ourselves to his ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of us are praying for character formation. Um, I pray for character formation every day. I ask that the Lord would change my heart to look more like his, Mm -hmm. but actually um, one of the, I know we'll unpack this a little bit more later, but one of the theological truths that is at play in prayer is that we are coming to God, asking him to change us. And prayer is the vehicle often by which he changes us. Mm -hmm. So we're saying, God, make me a faithful spouse. And by praying that over and over, we're actually practicing faithfulness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're saying, Lord, make me patient in life. And actually, as we pray and wait on the Lord, we're actually practicing patience. So he's actually working on us. Prayer is working on us as we are coming to the Lord in prayer. And so I think that is a mindset that can serve us well as we enter distracted seasons. Um, I don't know about you, but there are times where I wake up and my mind is already going. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is just spinning with what is ahead for the day, with what is coming during the week, especially Mondays, because I love Mondays and because I love my job, because I love what I do. I like dive into Monday with like gusto. Um, But so Monday morning, it's easy for me to be like, okay, let me make my work to-do list and let me get my planner pulled out and stuff like that. But gosh, if I would redirect that same energy into my prayer life, what kind of fruit would I see in my character? What kind of um, fruit would I see in my home? Because I'm being mindful of the ways that I want to disciple and discipline my children. Um, Because I'm bringing those to the Lord, I can let the posture of prayer actually work on me as I'm submitting them to the Lord. So I think knowing that, it actually helps it be a more fruitful time in prayer. Um, yeah. so I don't know if that makes sense, but have you seen that in your own life? Do you see, um, that, that dedicated time, like knowing this is special time? Yeah. Does that prove fruitful in your own life? Yeah, no, I actually, as you were saying it, I was thinking, so my, my, whenever I have those moments where I can pray without, I don't want to say like without a list, but like where I am just so focused and, um, able to. I don't know. Yeah. Just able to stay in that, in that place. Uh, it's usually later in the day if I'm going for a walk, especially, or Mm -hmm. if there's some sort of, if if I am remembering the power of prayer in a forceful way. And when I say that, I think of like Priscilla Shire, her book fervent and, Mm -hmm. um, just, just the way she just makes you want to like get loud about prayer. Those are the times that I start praying fast and I start, there's no deterring me at that point. But it's whenever I am so sure that this matters. And I think for people, like you had mentioned, um, just like knowing that your prayers are are what change you, I think like 
so often, like I love books. I know we talked about this earlier. Like we love knowledge and it's easy for me to sometimes think reading a book is going to be more effective on my Mm. transformation than prayer. But if I remember that prayer is the most transformative time because I'm literally face to face with with our King and, and that's where transformation happens. If I remember that I go to that, um, I don't have that hesitation of like, Oh, but should I read a book instead? It's just easier right. to choose prayer. So yeah, I think that knowledge right. is huge for having really focused prayer time. That's great. Yeah. That's great insight. Val. I'm glad you shared that. Um, okay. So yeah. So how do you pray physically? Would you say you pray out loud or journal or what does that look like? Um, so most of the time I don't pray out loud. I love praying out loud, but because my kids are super light sleepers, we live in an old home. I don't pray out loud as often as I would like, but, um, there have been several postures that have, um, served me well as I have sought to pray. So one, there was one season where I was really tired and I really wanted to, um, we have this big leather couch in our family room that I do my quiet time on. And, um, I really wanted to lean my head back, like sort of scoot down on the couch and lean my head back, but I was too tired. And so I just couldn't do that. I had to sit upright and lean forward, elbows on my knees, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was great because it kept me alert. It kept me awake. It kept me um, sort of in the mindset that this was a time of leaning into everything that God had. I think our physical posture actually yeah. tells our body something about what our hearts and minds are doing. And so leaning forward was a season where I would sort of picture myself leaning into here from the Lord. What, what is he doing in this season mm-hmm. of our lives? But in other seasons, I can remember really distinctly the season where the Lord gave me this sort of internal green light, like go ahead, lean back against that pillow oh, because yeah. I want you to know that you are resting in my finished work. You're not coming to your quiet time to prove something. You're not coming. We're not coming to the Lord in our quiet time saying, okay, I gave you an hour. Are you pleased now? Are you pleased enough to answer my prayers the way I want them to? I mean, that is just not what we believe about um, prayer and about the heart of God. And so there have been times where I've been invited to rest in that. Um, one other posture that I've really admired that I haven't used often in my life, but in dedicated seasons of earnestly and fervently seeking the Lord, um, petitioning him, asking mm-hmm. for something that is a desperate need of our family or of our church. Um, my husband and I have prayed on our knees in the living room together. There have been seasons, especially early in church planting, where we did our prayer time together at the beginning of our quiet times. He and I are up at the same time, but we would get up at the same time and um, sort of our one hour would start before we sort of move on to the gym or to breakfast or getting the kids up, that sort of thing. But for the first 25 minutes, we would kneel in our living room, um, elbows on the couch style and mm-hmm. seek the Lord for the same thing over and over. And that was a really good physical posture that clued our bodies into the fact that, man, we really are dependent on the Lord mm-hmm. for this. And in church ministry, um, as you likely know, I mean, we don't bully our way into decisions. We don't say like, okay, you know, our church needs elders. Let's just pick a couple Mm -hmm. guys that like us already. I mean, that is just not how we fervently seek the Lord to seek his will. Say, Lord, speak. We will not move until you move. That sort of thing. And in those seasons, I've prayed on my knees and it has served me well. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the knees. I I think it it also... uh, because it's, it can literally be painful. Like you said, 25 minutes. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like that is I'm just long, for this, right? yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was like my knees, but it's, it's that you're, you're desperate for the Lord. You can, he yeah. is the only one who can help. And there's just something that speaks so much to the, to our devotion to him. And, um, I think it was a James who was called like camel knees because he yeah. had, just, they were so rough from through. Yeah. Like what, how cool for that to be said of us. Um, I'm just thinking about us in like skirts and feeling like, I don't wish want my knees like that, but what a testimony to what a testimony. Yeah. That's right. I love that. I mean, several people, I'm sure somebody has quoted it before on your podcast (laughs) as you talk about prayer. Um, but Spurgeon was known to have said, you know, I am extra busy today. I must spend Mm -hmm. an extra hour in prayer. And I just think there is so much to be said for that, to know that it's a necessity and Mm -hmm. to let that be your life testimony. It is um, such a testament to God's, um, to our need for God and our reliance on him. 
Yep. Yes. And, and I feel like we, I talk about that a lot with my audience of just des our desperation is the number one ingredient for prayer. And it's, I think that's why we struggle in America so much because we can, um, you know, it could be one phone call, a couple of bucks, or just a, a connection that we have with somebody that can, that we feel like can help a lot of our problems. And, yeah. um, it's just a false sense of security that we have that's in our right. own. So um, that's exactly right. Makes prayer hard. So we we just it, we have to work overtime in reminding ourselves that we're needy because it won't look as obvious to us as you know mm. our friends in Haiti. Um, yeah, what a look. good word. Um, okay, well, let's dive in. Tell us first. Let's just start with what is the definition of theology. So theology is just the study of the heart of God. So it's everything that we know and believe about who God is. And we can break this down. Like this is the nerdy stuff of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Theology comes from two um, Greek words. Theos is the Greek word for God, the most general word in all of the New Testament for Mm -hmm. God. Theos means God. And ology is just the suffix we put on any word to mean the study of. So biology is the study of bio or life. The Latin word for life is bio. Um, Theology is our study of God. So Theology has come to mean everything we know and believe about mm-hmm. the heart of God and his world. So we can talk about a theology of um, the Trinity, or we can talk about a theology of the home and hospitality. So it kind of um, has come to mean everything um, that we know and believe about God and everything the character of God touches. So his world as well. Yeah, no, I love that. And I appreciate you because we're, we're going to dive in further into that. And I think it's just good that we, we have a very simple definition for that in case people are, um, you know, it's like you, some concepts you have an idea of, but you're just, you don't know for sure. So that's right. Um, and you just need something to hold on to. I think a lot yeah. of people hear theology and they're like, that's not for me. It sounds way too academic, but the truth is, is when we debunk it, when we give it this really simple definition of everything we know and believe about God, all of a sudden we realize, oh, I do have theology. And the question that I want to ask now is, is my theology, does it align with God's word? You know, because even a seven-year-old can say something about what they know and believe about God. So hello, that's why I started Tiny Theologians, because I so believe that kids are theologians. And if um, anyone wants to fact check me, just ask your seven-year-old, tell me something (laughs) you know about God, and they're going to give you some answer, you know, and maybe they've just made it up or maybe they heard it somewhere, but that's their theology. It's what they know and believe about God. So um, yeah, it kind of, it's so simple that it really includes all of us, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. And that's actually um, the quote that I wanted to share um, from the book. You quote C.S. Lewis um, and it says, um, theology Mm -hmm. is practical, especially now. If you do not listen to theology, that will not mean that you have no ideas about God. It will mean that you have a lot of wrong ones, bad, muddled, out of date ideas. And then you go on to say a little bit later, um, as long as we think we don't have a theology, the longer we let the unbiblical views of God rule in our hearts and minds, and we will miss out on the joy of knowing the God who has revealed himself in scripture. And I might've missed the first part of that quote. Um, because the longer we neglect our status as theologians, the longer we will neglect our responsibility to question our default view of God and instead seek one that aligns with the word of God. So it, I'll let, I was going to explain it, but you wrote it. So I'll let you go into <laughs> why that's important. Yeah, I think so many of us um, are subject to our culture. And there are a lot of biblically adjacent truths that we hold as Western Americans um, that maybe we think is Christian-ish, but actually does not come from the Word of God. Um, So even the idea that if we pray more fervently, that God is more likely to give us a favorable response to our prayer. Mm-hmm. Even that is a very Western notion because it comes from our cultural concept that I am a self-made man. I put mm-hmm. in effort and it results in reward. Mm-hmm. That is our American system, right? I put in the effort. We don't believe that anybody... um is really just given everything. Everybody is quote self-made. Like that's the American concept. Mm -hmm. And so we believe that if we put in effort, we're owed a particular result. So maybe somebody listening is thinking, oh, I actually kind of do think that if I pray more fervently or for longer, that God is more likely to hear my prayers or answer them in the way 
that I am asking them to be answered. Um, So the longer we leave our theology unchecked or the longer that we don't study God's word, which is the source of true theology, the longer we're going to be disappointed because the truth is Mm -hmm. um, it's important for us to think about um, how God has revealed himself in his word as a statement of reality, right? God is telling us who he is and who he is, is just reality. So as long as we have theology that we've made up or ascribed to culturally, we're going to be disappointed because we're not operating with how God has said the world works. You know, he has actually outlined in his word who he is. And the longer we neglect studying that, we're going to be really frustrated because we're operating in a totally different world where we're operating by a different set of rules that we made up. And so instead we can actually bring ourselves into alignment with the God of reality and say, instead of the more I pray, the more likely God is, you know, going to give me what I want. We can say with God's word, the more I pray, the more I have the opportunity to seek the heart of God and allow his spirit to change me, to make my desires, his desires, to make my will, his will, to, to actually change my heart. Let prayer change me. Scripture says that God, God's spirit actually works on us through prayer. And so we actually get to bring ourselves into li- alignment Um, with reality as we study God's word and learn more about who he is and how he has wired the universe as a result. Yes. Amen. Um, I, I think, um, for people listening, they might feel like, I don't want to say like, um, like you, you said it in the book, but that not knowing anything or like that you can not know a lot about God right now, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. but we, we do believe something and that will affect us. And I know, um, the first chapter of my book, um, we cover like, what are the five basic truths about God that if we don't understand this, we will get mad at God. We will pray for things that are totally irrational. And Mm -hmm. then we'll, we will leave our faith even because we think God doesn't love us, doesn't care about us. He doesn't have power. You know, we, we attribute these things to him. That's just unfair. And, you know, we treat ourselves like a victim to it and it's just not reality. And I I, I love that you kept saying the word reality because that's hard for us to, you know, because God is God and um, not yeah. visible to us, it's hard to to say that that is the reality as opposed yeah. to the things that we could feel. So yeah, um, yeah, I That's love that. Good word, Val. Good word. Um, can you tell us? And we might have kind of covered this, but if there's anything else you'd want to say, like how does theology affect how we pray? Is there any? And maybe we talk more about like. How does it affect us in, in in a negative way if uh if we have bad theology basically or what are the dangers of yeah. of you know of that? Well, I think one of the um, things that we will mostly show up in our prayer life when we don't study theology, which is basically again just studying the heart of God in Scripture, um, knowing who God is at His core. Um, I think one of the things that we're going to see show most often in our prayer life is disappointment um, or confusion. So in our prayer lives, and I I have a lot of people ask me this question. Um, Can I pray to like God the Father? Can I pray to like God the Son or God the Spirit? Or do I just pray to God generally? Mm -hmm. Well, really what they're asking about (laughs) is a question of the triune nature of God. It's ultimately a theological question. They're not asking a practical question about prayer. They're asking a theological question. And they're saying, basically, does God only hear in a uniform way? Or are there actually distinct persons of the Trinity? Can I pray to God the Father, God the Son, or God the Spirit as individual persons? Um, And the theological answer for that is that God is one and God is three. Like that's the um, complex way that we talk about the God who is triune, three in one. So yes, you can pray to God the Father. But you don't think for a second that God the Son doesn't also hear and that the Spirit doesn't also move in your direction when you ask God the Father for something. So, for example, a lot of times when we talk about asking for forgiveness, we think, 
I need to ask God the Father for forgiveness. Well, guess what? You ask God the Father for forgiveness, and it is made possible through the work mm-hmm. of the Son, and it's applied to your life through the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the triune nature of God, and that is the triune gospel of Christ made manifest in our lives. So, yes, pray to the Father. Ask for forgiveness. That is who Jesus came to make you right with, God the Father. But don't neglect the fact that the Spirit also wants to work that truth into your heart as He dwells within you. And don't think for a second that God the Father turns up His nose at your request. No, He welcomes you. Why? Because you are found in Christ. So a lot of times these seemingly simple questions that we have about prayer actually fundamentally are big theological questions Mm -hmm. that really have a joyful answer. The answer is yes, pray to God, the father, God, the son, or God, the spirit, but know that you're praying to a triune God who delights to answer your prayers. So that's one way I think that we can see a theological question or really, let me say it the other way, a really practical question about prayer ultimately be a theological question that leads us back to really practical application in our prayer life. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. And it's, it's funny. Like when we, whenever I talk about prayer, it just feels like sometimes it's this, we open a can of worms because it's, it's not a simple thing all the time, you know, yeah, it's not, and, and that's right. why it's because it's, it, it sounds like a practical question, but it's actually a theological question. So yeah. I'm just putting that together. Well, that so that's much of our true. spiritual lives are <laughs> yeah. right. Like so much of our spiritual lives, we ask about Christian formation or we ask about, um, walking in the spirit and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, we have to know what we believe so that we can live it out. That's what yeah. theology is. That's the role of theology. Yes. Well, um, okay. So can you give us examples of things that we should know about God that would change our prayer life? Yeah, I think, I think what I just shared, the triune nature of God Mm -hmm. and how God, um, works in our lives is one of the most foundational, how we approach God as father because of the work of the son and we pray in the Holy spirit. I think that is so foundational, but I think the other thing that we often, um, know, Val, if you're in these same circles I am, but sometimes people talk about prayer like it's just a discipline. Like I just discipline myself to prayer and I just have to do it and I need these things. So I just ask. And I think a lot of times we get like really, um, I don't know, dogmatic and uh-huh. dedicated and we mean well. But we forget that prayer is actually communing with God. Mm-hmm. That is the purpose of prayer, is to commune with God and be in His presence. So a lot of times when we approach prayer the first way that I said, like really dogmatic, we think, I need to say everything today. I need to get all my requests in. Otherwise, God's not going to hear me. I need to pray loudly. Otherwise, God's not going to hear me. I need to journal it, or I need to um, pray a psalm. All of these things are good things, right? But we believe that we need to do these things in a dedicated way in order for um us to have the things in our lives that we need. And I think where we go awry is we believe that prayer somehow, um, we somehow think of God hearing our prayers, like the old Testament worshipers viewed the, the, their prayers to the false God Baal. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember the story of Elisha, um, and where he said like, let's, you know, God's people were divided. And I'm going to tell the story really quick. So stop yeah. me, Val, if you don't want oh, me you're to. Good. No, go for it. <laughs> for our listeners who are maybe less familiar with this um, part of the Old Testament, there's a story where one of the prophets of God is looking at the nation of Israel, God's people who were set apart and dedicated to worship God. They were, God's people were torn between worshiping this false God, Baal, and Baal had prophets and priests who were like teaching the people how to offer sacrifices to this false God and all of those sorts of things. And then there was worship of Yahweh and there were prophets and there were priests that were teaching God's people to worship, you know, Yahweh, according to the way that God outlined, um, for his worshipers to follow him. And so this true prophet of the true God said, hey, let's have a little bit of a competition. He doesn't call it that, but I'm going to call it a little bit of a competition. He said, let's set up two altars. Let's see who the real God is. And the scriptures outline how the Baal worshipers are like shouting loudly Mm -hmm. and cutting themselves and like wailing in order to get the God's attention. And Elisha ends up teasing them. He's like, maybe he's asleep. (laughs) 
Maybe, maybe yell a little louder. Yeah. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Yeah. You know, maybe he is like otherwise preoccupied. You better keep trying, you know? And then he goes up to the altar and he just says, Lord, you see, and you know, would you show your people who you are? And fire is rained down mm-hmm. from heaven on the altar. Like that was the challenge, right? Let's see which God actually lights the altar of their sacrifice. And Baal has done nothing because he does not exist. And God has done everything because he is all powerful. And sometimes we can culturally approach God with our diligence as we're, as if we're the prophets of Baal, like Mm -hmm. if through my dutiful, um, attentive worship of God through prayer, God is going to hear my prayers or, or maybe if I journal only, you know, or maybe if I do, you know, pray through the Psalms, or if I use these prayer lists and make sure I mention these things every day. But what we forget is that prayer is communing with God. We can go to God like his prophet did and say, God, you know, you see, would you show you, show me again, show your people again, who you are. And he delights to answer that prayer. Um, so the thing I have to remind myself often of is that I am communing with God through prayer. When I wake up in the morning, I am communing with God. So even in this season where I'm using lists to focus my brain, if I don't get through everything, that's okay. Because I'm in it to win it with God. I am in it for the long haul. He is my ride or die. So I have my whole life to walk with God and to commune with him every day. So you know what? If today... I feel like, gosh, I got distracted and I could beat myself up. But you know what? Instead of beating myself up, I'm going to say, God, you see, you know, I'm I'm coming back tomorrow. We are in it for the long haul together, you and I. And God delights to answer those prayers. So I think shifting our focus from like God as the vending machine, like God, I put in these prayers, you give me Mm -hmm. what I want. Instead thinking, I am here to grow in my relationship with God through communing with him. God, speak to me by your spirit. Speak to me through your word. Lord, these are the needs of my family. These are the needs of my heart, the areas I want to grow. What would you do with it all? I think that communing posture is actually going to tell us it's more theologically accurate than um, it actually aligns us with who God has said about who he is um, than the false gods of this world and the false gods that we see throughout the Old Testament. Yes. No, I think one thing you made me think of when just talking about all that was rain dances, like just performing these certain motions and certain things to try to get a reaction. And I really, I think you making this point is really big because somebody listening might be overwhelmed with, okay, well now I have to know a certain thing about God before I pray. And so then it goes into this hyper like exactly what you were saying, like we're trying to avoid, we're not trying to be like this rigid, not, not, I don't mean like not rigid, but like it's respectful. And, you know, we, we do want to come to God, um, respectfully, but also knowing that like, he's our father and this is a conversation and we're not trying to, you know, do a certain hand motions in a certain order to where it's, we can unlock a key and amen happens, you know? That's exactly right. And I think, we have to remember that it's actually our theology that tells us that it's our theology that says that I have never been accepted Mm -hmm. by God based on what I have done in my own strength. Never have I been pleasing to God in my own efforts. I am only pleasing to God because of what Christ has done. So why would I think now that he would, it's not like we got in through the doorway of Christ and now God expects us to live in our own efforts or pray in our own efforts. He actually invites us in through Christ and sustains us by the spirit of God. It's the gospel that God has sent and the gospel that keeps us <laughs> in. So we can, Tim Keller says it so well. Um, you know, the only person that dare wake a king in the middle of the night for a glass of water is his child. We have that kind of access to God. Mm-hmm. And so we can, because of our theology, because we know we have access to God, the father, the king of the universe, there's the reverence piece that you mentioned, mm-hmm. but because our theology tells us that by, because we are found in Christ, we can approach God with boldness. By golly, we let's do it. Let's pray fervently. Let's approach God and commune with Him, knowing full confidence that He's already pleased with us in Christ. So we're not starting from behind. We're standing in Christ. Yeah. And I, I think that makes me think like we've had lots of conversations with people who struggle with the idea of confession and just dumping on feeling like you're dumping on God, but it goes back to if we, if we have a firm understanding 
of salvation and the fact that nothing we did earned our salvation and nothing we do can take that away. Yeah. That's right. It's, we can, we can pray, we can confess, we can have those conversations and feel vulnerable and not like, you know, even the idea that we can possibly try to hide something from God goes against what we see in God's word too. Like we know that that's not possible. So uh, it's just crazy to see how much, um, uh, our prayers will be affected by what we know yeah. about God. Um, but on the other end of that, you know, like we said, not, not, we don't want to create this feeling that like we have to know every single thing before we can right. utter a prayer because that could be just as paralyzing. Um, what do you say about like the idea that there is mystery or um, there, what, what room is, is there for mystery as you pray? Oh yeah. I think that again, you know, like consider me your local theology gal, but I, that's our theology at play, right? Knowing everything, um, like our theology says that because God made us, we are finite. We are not God. God does not expect us to know everything because he made us with human limits. And so, yeah, I think actually mystery plays a huge role in our prayer life because we're saying, God, I don't know, you know, and you know what is best. I love how, um, I think it was also Tim Keller who said this, who said, um, um, I think I know what you're going to say. (laughs) I'm going to botch it. Val, so correct me if I botch it. Okay. But basically prayer, if we were to pray knowing everything God knows, we would do everything. We would pray for everything that God has already planned in his heart to do in our lives. Yeah. So if we were all knowing like he is, we would be praying according to his will. So Mm -hmm. because we don't know everything, because we're not all knowing, we are submitting to the unknown. We're submitting to God and saying, you know all, and I don't know all. I don't know all about this world and I don't know all about you. I don't even know everything about my own heart, but you do. So we submit ourselves to God in that mystery. Um, And I think that that is, um, that keeps us humble, that keeps us on our knees before him, Mm -hmm. but also keeps us in awe of him. You know, I don't want a God that is, um, no bigger than my own brain and my own heart. And so God shows us time again, he is way bigger than us. Thanks be to God that he is greater than our hearts. And so, um, you know, scripture says God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Um, so it tells us in scripture, we don't know everything, but he does. And it keeps us on our knees before him. Yes. It, well, and I think I read this in Jen Wilkins book, but just the idea that like, whatever we don't know about God is good. <laughs> so there's no yeah. uncertain surprises yeah. of like, Oh, Nothing I'm going to pop out of the closet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's amazing. I mean, that's just a crazy thing to think that everything we know about God is good and everything we don't know about God is good. And we can, yeah. we can trust him with that. Praise be to God for that. Yes. Um, okay. So where would, like, should somebody start who wants to pray with a deeper knowledge of who God is? I think one of the best places to start is by praying the Lord's prayer, because as mm-hmm. we listen to Jesus communing with the father, That tells us something of how he invites us to commune with the Father as well. Because now, Scripture talks often about us, about Christians being in Christ, quote, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And sometimes we skim over those parts in the letters of the New Testament in particular. Mm -hmm. Paul is talking constantly about those who are in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. If you're in Christ, all of these different things apply to us. Um, In Christ, you are adopted. In Christ, you are sanctified. And sometimes we skim over those and we just think, okay, that just means I'm safe. But let's stop for a second and think about what it means to be in Christ. Um, This is the doctrine of union with Christ, if we want to use the theological term. But it basically means that we are found in Jesus, that we have been united to the Son of God in salvation by the power of the Spirit. And we are now able to boldly approach the Father because we are united to His Son. So why are we adopted as sons? Because we're united to the Son. Why are we redeemed in salvation? Because we are united to the Redeemer. Why are we forgiven? Because we are united to the Righteous One. Uh, That is what the doctrine of union with Christ actually presents to us. And so why would we look anywhere else for an example of how to pray than the words that Jesus prayed to his father? Because now we are united to that same Jesus and we pray to that same father. So his prayer of intimacy and for power and for provision, that is such a good model for us as we seek to grow in our prayer lives. So I would, I would encourage somebody to 
pray like this. Jesus said, you know, here, when you pray, pray like this. And he says, our father. So that tells us something about how we approach God as a father, as, as not our judge, because we are in Christ. Those who are apart from God have to approach God first as a judge because we are unrighteous and he is righteous. But in Christ, we can approach him as a father, our father in heaven. Wow. We recognize that God is separate from us. He is holy in heaven. We say, hallowed be your name. And then we say, Lord, wait, I recognize you as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Basically, we're saying, God, your holiness expands so far beyond me. Crash into my earth and my life. Bring it here in the Gannett home as it is in heaven, in Greenville, North Carolina, as it is in heaven, in Trinity Greenville Church Plant as it is in heaven. Bring your will and your ways into my life. And we can go on. We can go through the entire Lord's Prayer praying phrase by phrase that God's will would be done in our lives. And I think it's such a beautiful model for how we can approach God, both with intimacy, but also with application for yeah. our prayer life. Yeah, that's good. That's um, I think it's, it can be a very underrated place to start just because we've heard it so much. Um, or, you know, if we've grown up in the church, we sure have. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's great advice. And I know I, I have a couple of books on my shelf. I haven't read them yet. I have ton, a whole bookshelf on prayer books and several yeah, that are so good. the Lord's prayer focused on that. And, um, I, I have plans to write a blog post on it one day, but there's plenty, if you want to dive into that, there's plenty of resources that would help you expand on that. But the point would be to pray, <laughs> to spend that yeah, time praying that's right. like that. Um, okay. So what, what, and I'll, uh, let's just do player's choice. Which question would you like to answer? Uh, what has been a big answered prayer in your life or what has been a big no, um, for something you prayed for that God's taught you through that? Yeah. Uh, well, I would say one of the biggest no's that I'm feeling right now, Mm -hmm. um, is I, Val, I think you and I are kept in the same DNA. I love to create. I love to create and I love to throw myself headlong into one thing. Um, when, when I am excited about something, I'm all in, you know? So mm-hmm. one of the, one of the joyful burdens, if I can put it that way mm-hmm. in my life is that God has called me to multiple things. If I was only a mom, exclusively a mom, I feel like I could homeschool and I could, um, we would be eating like, homemade cheese crackers and my kids would eat all organic and we would go to the park every day and I would um be the most fun mom like if I was exclusively a mother I feel like I could throw myself headlong into it if I was exclusively a church planter I think I have the energy to plant like three churches in my lifetime Mm -hmm. like I love meeting new people and digging into the culture of a city and meeting the needs of the culture with the needs of the gospel I love building ministry structures that allow people to thrive and use their gifts if I was exclusively a church planter, I feel like I could head, run headlong in that direction. If I was exclusively a small business owner, I could build the tiny theologians brand to the nth degree. I could build this Bible study schoolhouse and it could like be my primary project and our family's primary breadwinner. But God has not allowed me to run in the direction of one thing. Mm. He has called me to the complicated middle of saying he's called me to all of these things, which means I have had to do the hard work of giving up the potential of any one thing and sort of surrender to him the fact that I'm going to do all of these things and none of them are going to be maybe what they could be, but they're Mm -hmm. going to be done to his glory. So that is a no. Like I've prayed, Lord, would you give me one thing to run after? And he has just told me, run after me and keep the plates. All of the plates are full, wear the many hats and give up the potential of what any one of them could be just to let them be um, a yes that you surrender to me. So that's a no that he's given me recently. Um, but it is giving me a heart of deeper submission to him. And so for that, I'm thankful. Thank you for sharing that. That's, uh, you know, in our culture of just wanting to slow down and have margin, like I know I talk about that a lot. It's almost like another way that God is counterculture. Um, Mm. and it doesn't matter what idea it's not like one idea is, I don't want to say one idea is God's way, but it's following God, no matter what he's called you to. That is, that's it. 
you know, so, so that's tough. Cause yeah, we do think, Oh yeah. What could you simplify? And it's like, if God has told you not to simplify, yeah. then, then that's your answer. And, yeah. and I could see that being hard, especially whenever it feels like, well, this just goes against what, what we think God would want, you know? So, yeah. um, that's why we walk in the spirit. Cause guess yeah. what? His ways are just better than ours and he knows more than we do. So we yeah. just walk in the spirit. Yeah. Um, so I would love to know, was prayer modeled for you growing up or was it something you learned later in life? Um, yeah. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah. Prayer was modeled in our home. We prayed um, regularly as a family, but I also, I mean, we, my parents like prayed aloud and we prayed aloud mm-hmm. as a family. Um, but I think one of the things that shaped me most prominently in my prayer life is waking up and seeing my parents in prayer before the day had started. Mm-hmm. So I didn't hear those prayers, but I saw it and I saw the humility of their prayers. Um, and I saw the um, dedication of a life of ongoing prayer. And so I think that shaped me and maybe more than anything, it made me want to learn. Um, to build the muscle of prayer. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we think that prayer either comes naturally to you or it doesn't. We're like, oh, they are a good prayer. (laughs) It's like, well, I think it just made me crave learning. And that is the reality is that we're all learners on the journey of prayer. Mm -hmm. And as we, we build muscle as we continue to commune with God and we get to know him better. You know, like that first time, have you ever been set up on like a friend date? You're like, Oh, the two of you would really hit it off. And then you get there and you're like, well, this is really awkward. Maybe we can't be friends. I think a lot of us feel like we're in that place of prayer in communing with God. But how do you get to the place where you're like texting them? You know, the minute you think your water has broken because your baby's on its way, like, how do you get there by time and by conversation and by, in a way, practice? And so I think a lot of us need the practice of communing with God um, because we want him to be our go-to, but we can't see a connection between where we are now and that end road, like that end goal of communing with God in a regular, ongoing, mindful way throughout the day. And I think I saw that modeled in my, my parents' prayer life. And so it made me go, I want to get there. Um, and it made me a student of prayer more than anything else. Yeah, no, that's good. And there's, I know we've talked about this, um, in our community, just about, a fear of praying with other people and part of it stems from hearing really good prayers. So to, to use that as a signal to, to be inspired to learn more as opposed to like, okay, if I see a good prayer, I'm intimidated by it. Like we could, we could see the very same thing two different ways. So, um, how much greater is that when we can see that as an inspiration to learn and grow in prayer? Um, to our own prayer life. So yeah, glad you mentioned that. That's really good. Well, um, okay. Last question for you is what, in what ways do you long to keep growing your prayer life? Yeah, I think one of the areas where I need to grow right now is in hearing from the Lord by his spirit. And I think I was talking to my husband about this today over lunch, you know, as the toddler is in her chair and um, she's crying cause I cut her cucumber the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And you know, the baby like needs to nurse. So over lunch, we're having this very distracting conversation about prayer. Um, we're trying to discern something for our family right now. And I think what I have thought or expected from the spirit is that I would, um, hear the answer all at once. Right. Mm. Like it's like a yes or a no answer kind of. And so I'm like, should we pursue this or not? And I think I expect that one morning I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to know the answer. But instead the Lord brought a friend to mind. And, um, that friend actually has a story that made me more thoughtful about the question I was asking of God. So I was like, maybe this isn't a yes or a no. Maybe this is more complicated than that. And I need to start remembering that that is also how God's spirit speaks to us, Mm -hmm. um, is in like little bits of thoughtfulness that build as time goes on. So I think that's one way I want to grow in listening to God is remembering that it's a bigger conversation than like. Just one morning, I'm going to wake up and he has spoken and there's the answer. But he speaks to us um, in bits and pieces and through relationship and through the sermon at church and through my quiet time and through a resource. And then a friend's going to remind me of something. And all of these are ways that he is speaking to us. So I need to sort of broaden my perspective on how the spirit speaks. Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, the way you just said that is kind of what I was thinking. Like it, it gives us eyes to look 
beyond the obvious ways that he's working. So it's like you're already, when you, when you commit to that, it's like you're putting yourself in a posture to see God work more in your life, the same amount he was working before, but you're just able to see it and it's able to encourage your future prayer life and everything like that. So yeah, that's, that's great. Um, well, man, Amy, this has been so good. And I know encouraging to myself to just honestly, as I read scripture, just think about how, what does this mean for my prayer life and how does this, um, how does this affect that? But, um, will you tell our listeners where they can find out more from you? Yeah, I am on Instagram at Amy Kate Gannett. You can view the Bible study schoolhouse at amygannett.com and learn about the Bible studies that I offer there and the Bible study community that we have there. You can learn more about Fix Your Eyes on my website also. And then you can also look at Tiny Theologians at tinytheologians.shop. Um, if there are kiddos in your life and they want to grow in prayer, we have a set of the Lord's prayer cards that gives them prayer prompts for each phrase of the Lord's prayer. So that is a really fun, um, resource. And Val, I'm not sure when this episode is going to go live, but very soon we are going to have those print cards available in Spanish also. So we really hope that any, um, listeners that have Spanish speaking friends or neighbors will pick this up for them because there are so few resources available in Spanish. Um, and we're really excited to make these available in a broader community. Oh, that's awesome. Um, That's awesome that y'all are doing that. Um, Okay, well, would you close us in prayer, Amy? I would love to. Um, Lord, I lift up anyone who is listening now who is feeling discouraged by the concept of prayer. Lord, would you lift their hearts? Um, would you make them excited about the idea of communing with you? I listen for, I pray for anybody who's listening who is um, super excited and doesn't know where to start. Would you give them direction? Would you keep their excitement going um, and give them direction as they think about how to start growing in prayer? Lord, I pray for anyone who's listening, who is maybe um, distracted during their prayer time. Lord, would you give them focus by your spirit? Would you enable them to commune with you? Pray for anyone listening who thinks that they might have to earn your attention or your affection by the way that they pray. Would you give them confidence in knowing that they approach you through Christ? Lord, for all of us, I pray that you would grow us in prayer so that we might know you more, love you more, worship you more. Um, Change us as we pray. We ask and we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, Val.